We're combining all the best old school wisdom with all the top new school methods to bring you the optimal way to coach and play the great game of baseball. This is the 80-20 Baseball Masterclass with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches, to the 80-20 Baseball Get-Together, our weekly discussion, our weekly get-together here. Excited to be here. This is our time. Each week we get together, we discuss how we can be better coaches, specifically at the youth baseball level. So let's get right into it. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. I try to keep this episode flowing along quickly. We got no time for commercials, but if you wouldn't mind going in, supporting the podcast, it's easy. Click on the link in the show summary. Also, click on the link in the show summary for the fall coaching clinic webinar. You're not going to want to miss this. This webinar is going to be something that I'm guaranteeing will level up your coaching. You don't want to miss this one. We're going to build off of it with a separate type of coaching clinic in the spring, and we're also going to build on it with the pitching coaching clinic that will be hosted towards the end of January. The spring coaching clinic will be hosted towards the beginning of February, but you're going to want to get on this. The great thing is you can attend from anywhere. If you want to go back, you can watch the recording of it that you will all receive. It's $50 to attend. It's easy. You can go on the website 8020 Baseball. You sign up there. Essentially, you purchase it there and then I will mail you. I will email you the meeting link about three days before the webinar, which is November 18th. Thing is, if you don't show up, you're going to get access to the entire webinar, which is going to show you exactly how to set up an elite and complete throwing program, throwing routine. We're going to break it down. You're going to know how to run an elite high-level throwing routine, something that I've put together over many of years of testing and trying and also many years of actually playing ball for some high-level programs in the professional and college ranks. And now I've made it and designed it for youth baseball teams. We're going to show you the top base running drill that we have. This is something that should be done, in fact, at every single practice. We are going to talk about batting practice design. We're going to break down how to run a multi-staged, a multi-group, a multi-phase batting practice, a multi-station batting practice that gets results and can be done with very limited equipment and facility use. And to top it off, I'm going to show you how to run a or have a dynamic warm-up routine to start practice. It's efficient. It's effective. I've used this for years with teams. It works really well and it's set on some high-level principles but designed for youth baseball and to top it off. I'm going to show, I'm going to illustrate exactly how to run a high level. This is my top ground ball drill, team ground ball drill. I'm going to show you exactly how to run it. And once you see how I design these drills, the running drill, the throwing program, the ground ball drill, the batting practice routine stations, the dynamic warm up. Once you see this, once you see it in action and I break it down for you, you're going to have your eyes are going to be open to just a plethora of ideas and thoughts and and ways to go about how to design any drill at any time that gets results efficiently and super effectively. So sign up, go to the website. The link should be in the show summary here on your podcast app, or you can go to the website 8020baseball.com. It's right there on the homepage. It's $50. It's going to be two hours, 90 minute session plus 30 minute Q&A. I promise you, you're going to get way more than $50 worth of information out of this, and it's going to change your coaching game dramatically 
academically moving forward, I truly believe it's going to level up your coaching game from attending. I promise you that. So go to the website, sign up. You sign up, you pay for it. I get your email information and I will mail you. I will email you the link to the webinar about three days or so before the actual clinic is live. Another benefit of a clinic like this is you can be a fly on the wall. You can just absorb and lay back and ask questions later through email or whatnot, or you can be active and asking questions during. So no matter your style of learning and how you fit in like that, it's going to work for you. Now, moving into this week's episode, keep in mind that this podcast here is designed to move fast and to help sharpen your coaching mindset every week in about 30 minutes. If you want a podcast with guys shooting the breeze, this probably isn't your podcast. Even when I've done my interviews, we move through it pretty quick. I edit it out so there's not a lot of dead time, dead air. I'm really big on this and I value your time. And this, I want to be an informational podcast. And yeah, sure, I try to keep it light. I try to add stories. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to share key information that will build or fine tune your coaching game. That's a big reason why I double edit this. I have an editor I pay, Sam. He does a great job. He edits it. So Sam edits it first when I record it Saturday mornings. I send it to Sam. He edits it. He sends it back. And then I go back and make sure there's no extra junk in there. There's no extra words. There's no extra information that could complicate it. I try to make sure that it is very concise and clear and exactly what you need to know so you can get a maximum amount of information in in the shortest amount of time. And with that said, building off of our ongoing discussion of how to better connect and relate to players so we get the most out of them and they get the most out of themselves, that they can reach their ceiling, they can get as close to their potential as possible. There's also a huge benefit for coaches when coaches work to build rapport, they give praise, they connect with their players and get to know their players as people, not just players, as human beings, not just a number or a position. This knowledge or this extended knowledge of your players, this understanding of your players helps you as a coach understand what makes them tick. What makes them tick? What drives them? And this is so important because it allows you as a coach to more quickly and effectively communicate and get them on the same page in terms of learning and grasping the knowledge, the information you're trying to share with them. So understanding what makes them tick is vital and understanding what drives them and understanding what their motivations are, where they're coming from is so important because here as coaches, we have this information. We want to teach them these skills. We want to teach them these strategies, but we got to understand where they're coming from so then we can meet them and kind of merge it all together. And by getting to know them, not only are you going to make them better human beings as they get older, you're going to make them more confident players by giving them praise. You're also going to be able to get that knowledge across to them much faster and much more seamlessly. You have to know your audience if you want to convey and to share with them and to give them the information as best as possible. You want to transfer that information. You have to be on the same page. You as a coach can't be analog while they're digital and they cannot be analog if you're digital. You have to be on the same frequency, the same signal. To get there, the best way to do it is to build that rapport. So the building of the rapport, the connecting, the asking the players how they're doing, asking them about themselves, their hobbies, other things besides how their pitching game is, their pitching mechanics, their swing, how their arm feels, how their legs feel, how they're doing as an athlete. Now, those are important things, but you also have to know more about them because what makes them tick is nothing that you're really going to see out there on a baseball field. It's usually much deeper or something different that makes them tick and thus helps you as a coach get better player buying. So the other day I was breaking down some information and of course this podcast, 8020 Baseball, the website, 8020 Baseball. This is 8020 Baseball. It's a big reason now. It's not the whole reason. I mean, when you pick a name for something, you got to just pick a name. And 
And of course, one name or some letters or some numbers aren't going to clearly define what it is you're doing like Amazon. What if somebody says, hey, there's a business called Amazon, you'd be like, so what do they sell? I don't know. I don't know. I, you'd have no idea. You, if somebody just told you the name of this company's Apple, they'd be like, okay, so what do they do? You'd, uh, you'd be like, I don't know, fruit. They have a fruit stand somewhere, maybe dried fruit. I'm not sure. Nobody would guess computer technology. And you get my point. The name of a company, I did pick this with some purpose, but it, it extends much further than the 80-20 principle. But we do revolve around youth baseball and we do try to center it around the 80-20 rule of priority, prioritizing the right things, not all things, not all inputs, not all things that we practice have the same results or the same output that they don't all yield the same results and productivity on the back end. And I've mentioned this before, if you do not know or you're not familiar with the 80-20 principle, the 80-20 rule, you have to go get familiar with this. This is a game changer for life. I mean, in fact, it probably will help you much more in life. It'll help you in business and in life at just as much or more than it will as a coach. We use it here because I firmly believe this is a huge competitive advantage in youth baseball. Check that. This using by using the 80-20 principle to drive and to direct our focus, our priorities as coaches. This is a huge game changer at any level. In fact, this is probably the biggest competitive advantage sitting out there in terms of operating system advantages, the 80-20 principle. Now, there are certain advantages we talk about, and we'll talk a little bit about this right now. Swing selection, I think, is a huge competitive advantage when it comes to skill, skill development. The skill of swing selection, pitch selection, that's a skill, that's kind of an acute skill, but an overarching, a operating system type of competitive advantage, something that will just make you a better person when you're trying to compete with yourself to be a better person in life, to have better results with your business, with your job, with your family, with your fitness, with everything. It is that overarching, that operating system type thing. So 80-20 rule, 80-20 principle is definitely guiding us. And so the other day I was sitting there thinking, when it comes to hitting, the question is, or the question might be, or is likely, how much time do I spend on different things when it comes to hitting? So there's two categories when it comes to coaching hitting. One is the swing. And of course, there are subcategories of that. There's the feet, there's a timing, there's a tempo, there's a hand, there's a swing path, swing angle. There's all sorts of things when it comes to the swing in terms of the physical parts of it. The 80%, the 80% is not the swing when it comes to how much time you should allocate at youth baseball. 80% should be on pitch selection, swing selection, pitch selection. 80% on pitch selection, 20% of your focus should be on the swing. Of course, that's an approximation. It's not an exact number, but you should be spending or allocating your coaching time and your discussion with your hitters, your focus, your feedback. 80% of it should be honing in, getting your hitters to swing at the right pitches with less than two strikes. Hitters pitches, not pitchers pitches, and definitely not pitches outside of the strike zone. Hitters pitches with less than two strikes, and then swinging and covering that strike zone, plus a few inches on the fringe of each side, maybe a six inches on the fringe, depending if Angel Hernandez is the umpire, and go from there. So I'm not going to get into it too much. I know we've really talked about hitting a lot. This is, I mean, again, hitting and pitching are the two biggest parts of the game. Those are something that take place on every single pitch. There is a pitch, and there is a hitter in the batter's box, and everything else plays off of that. Everything else that happens, base running, ground balls, fly balls, rundowns, cutoffs, everything else runs off of those two things happening first. The two main events that this is something that I, I it's crazy that doesn't, I, I've never heard discussed. The two main events, the two number one events, number it's 1A and 1B or 1A and 1A, the two main events are hitting and pitching. Those are the two main events that happen more than everything else, substantially more. A hitter's in the batter's box for every pitch and a pitcher throws each pitch. And from there, things happen, actions happen, events happen from there, but at a much lesser rate, of course, because not every pitch yields a ground ball. In fact, in a youth baseball game, there may be 15 
ground balls, but there's 100 pitches. What's that ratio? And a quality pitch will make sure that ground ball is not a rocket and much easier to field for your defense. So take care of first things first. So we could get into that. So 80% pitch selection, 20% swing improvement. So I want that mindset. I want to share that mindset with all of you coaches. 80% of your coaching at the youth level and geez, even all the way. And when I say youth level, all the way through high school should be improving the pitch selection, dialing that in. It's not going to be perfect ever. Hitters are going to chase bad pitches no matter how great they are at their pitch selection, but less and less poor swing decisions, better swing decisions. 80% pitch selection, 80% swing decisions, 20% swing improvement. And the last part of today's episode. So about a month ago, I came across a checklist from a high-level college baseball coach, a checklist called preparing your team, a checklist for preparing your team. Now, this coach has had a lot of success over the years, but I've seen this checklist bounce around the baseball community. I've come across it three times over the last 15 years or so, and it has 70 things. It is a checklist of 70 things to prepare your team. Youth coaches, you're going to see this. Youth coaches might see this. And if they're not sure or they're not aware, they may go, well, then I got to start covering some of these or a lot of these and most of these. No, no, not even close. This checklist is for college level and professional level and maybe super advanced high school varsity. That's it. It's for college and professional. They have way more time. They got nothing but time for the most part. They can practice hours and hours a day, hours every single day, professional baseball, seven days a week. Now, let me stop there. I know college has rules set in where there are regulations and rules set on how many hours they can practice each week. But at the end of the day, there's just way more time. Let's not fool anybody. Here's the thing. You got 70 things to cover. Youth baseball, let's say you covered two of these at every single practice, two of these at every single practice, you probably still wouldn't have enough time to cover them all in an entire season. And that's if you covered them once. That doesn't include the throwing program. That doesn't include the daily bullpen pitching that you should be doing, the batting practice routine, some of those things that should happen at almost at every practice, stretching, strength and conditioning, things that should be happening pretty consistent at every single practice. Now, I agree with all 70 of these items on the checklist for preparing the team. I agree with all of them. And in fact, I think for a college coach, this is a phenomenal list or a professional coach. This is a phenomenal list. High level varsity coach that gets a lot of access, a lot of time with their players and can build over the course of two, three, four years. I really like this checklist. I like it a lot. In fact, everything on here is something that should be covered over the course of a long college season or in a college season is year round or a high level varsity program that runs year round, especially in those states where the weather's nice year round, year round baseball. In Southern California, it's year round baseball for varsity year round, summer, fall. It never stops. It never stops. In fact, I believe it should stop more. There's leagues that go on. There's fall leagues that go on. And I'm like, these would be great, but let's put the batting machine out there. Let's just have a batting machine, the hitting machine, the pitching machine. I call it a batting machine, pitching machine, same thing. Let's put the pitching machine out there. Let's get one of those fancy pitching machines. Every team from the league throws in some money. You can keep it and use it every year. Put a little L screen in front of it. You have a pitcher, you know, I have a coach feeding it, a pitcher behind playing defense and you use that. So you can get your at-bats, you can get your ground balls, you can get your cutoffs, you can get your relays, you can get every type of situation and action involved at a high level, at a fast-paced game-like, but not have to put the burden on the pitching arms. That's a big thing. So year-round baseball is huge. I like the idea insofar as getting reps on ground balls and different plays. You know, players learn so many plays and different things as, as they're getting older and there's little nuances and different plays for each position that will come up over the course of a year or two. Here's the thing. The pitching arms should have some time to rest and they should be building 
building and working on strength in September, October, and November. They shouldn't be out there. September 18th in Southern California, there's a popular fall league. It's a high school fall league that starts September 15th. School starts two weeks earlier. In fact, school for most high schools starts like beginning of September, end of August. And all of a sudden, September 17th, now you're playing your first fall league game. Not the first fall practice, the first fall league game. And you go, well, Coach Bo, the pitchers are only throwing one inning. Yeah, but they're kids. They're high school kids. They want to dial it up. They're gonna. They're not going to go out there with their peers and take it easy. No way. No way. They're going to go full bore for the most part. You might get one out of 50 kids that dials it back. He's a draft prospect and he knows and he's well coached or maybe somebody's been in his ear like, hey, go out there and just get your work in. But 49 out of 50 players, they're going to go out there and it's full go. It, it's fifth gear. Let's go. So I don't like that. But nonetheless, that is an option. There's year round baseball going on in a lot of areas, especially in the South, Southwest, East. So you could cover one or two of these things. You could put a few, one or two of these things into each week's practice and still have plenty of time for throwing routines, warm up routines, batting practice routines, base running routines, strength and conditioning, etc. So there's 70 things on this list. And I just want to let you know, I try to be that guiding light using the experience that I have over all the years of playing. And I mean, again, it goes back to scorekeeping in 1985 at Dodger games. And so I've been involved with baseball for almost 36 years now. I haven't taken a year off from being heavily involved in one capacity or another. And I'm trying to help all of you who are all very smart people, but aren't necessarily rich with baseball experience. And you had, you played some, or you're familiar, you've watched some games on TV, you've gone to some games, or you played Little League, or you played high school, but there's a whole nother level to understanding what you're looking at. It's like your profession. So your regular day job that you all have, your profession, there's another level between looking at it from the outside or dabbling in it and then getting in there and being in it for a lot of years because you learn. Most importantly, I think experience teaches us not what to do. By default, experience, I believe, teaches us more about what not to do. It's more helpful. Experience helps us more in understanding what not to do, what to be careful of, red flags, not chasing something that shiny object. That sounds cool, but you know from experience, that's not where it's at. That's not where you want to go. You've been down that path and now you've come back. The other day I was watching this video and it was explaining, it had this principle, this rule of how to find your way out of getting lost. And so I'm up here in Idaho and we go for hikes and we do things out there and I want to take my family camping more. And there was this video that talked about how to find your way back if you get lost to a trail, to your campground, to whatever. And it explained, and it's kind of its premise was, you're going to go down one path and you want to mark that path, kind of like the Hansel and Gretel approach, like dropping breadcrumbs. You want to mark it however you want to mark it. And then you want to go out as far as you can. And if you don't come across your campground or your car or the tr typically it'd be like a trail or the path that you took in, then you would double back. You would go back to the starting point and then you would go off. They call it like the star approach, something like that. Now, some of you are familiar with this. You already know. I'm not going to act like I know all about all this stuff, you know, out there and the, on a trail and the outdoorsman, like, like some kind of field and stream expert. But the idea was you start from where you're at and you mark that area and then you go out and then you come back if you don't reach it. Then you go out and you kind of make your way around like, imagine like a clock and you go out to 12 o'clock and you go out to one o'clock and you come back and you go out to two o'clock, you come back until you get to your mark. And if you don't get to your trail, your path, to your car, some landmark that you then can use to get you back to where you need to get to your car or get home or whatnot, you would just keep going. Or then you could go a little further. You could do it again and just go out a little further and then back. So how does this relate to what I'm sharing with you? I've gone down a lot of these paths and I've tested and tried out a lot of things, either as a coach or as a 
a player, with programs, with my own team, and you see what doesn't work and you see what does work and you see more importantly, what yields the most results and what yields minor results. And you see what happens more often in the game and less often in the game and what really doesn't happen at all and what doesn't have much of an impact. So you learn all these things because you've gone down, I've gone down all these paths, not all of them, but I've gone down so many of them. And for you as youth coaches, you're coming here and you're going, well, I don't have time. First off, you can't go back in time. You can't Michael J. Fox and Doc Brown it and go back in the DeLorean and say, well, I'm going to start back over in 1985. Interestingly enough, 1985 is when I first started going to major league games and keeping score and that sort of thing. But you can't go back in time and then get this experience back. You are where you are. So how do you take experience that you can't go back and get and utilize it? Well, you go to experts, just like you would if you hired somebody to come to your house and work on something. You take your car in to do something. I took my car in to get the winter tires put on the other day. They have the tools, the machinery. They were done in 15 minutes. Okay. Even if I knew, even if I had access to their tools, even if I had access to all the stuff, the machinery, the things they were using, I couldn't have done it in 15 minutes. I probably couldn't have got it done in 15 hours. Okay. So we go to these people that are the experts. You go to people that are experts. You are an expert in certain things. So we go to these experts and you come and you go, okay, what am I trying to show you? I'm trying to show you what not to go do. So speaking of which, I did get a good email a few weeks back asking some questions about common coaching methods in baseball and certain coaches out there that are coaching certain things or certain entities that are coaching a certain way. And they wanted me to break down and get my thoughts on it. Again, I'm just here to be objective. If I don't know, I don't know. I'm not going to say I don't, you know, if I don't know about this or that, I'm not going to get on here and tell you I do. It's just we're not going to waste time. I'm not going to waste your time. So next week, we're going to break that down. I have a list of some things that a coach, one of you sent me, you know who you are, sent me and said, hey, can you kind of vet these over the mic? So next week, I'm going to vet some questions and some things out there, some resources. We're going to talk about it. So you as coaches have a clearer understanding of what works, what to be careful of, where the success lies. And then you can go out there and you have to go create your own path. But I want to get you going in the right direction. I want to get you going. I want to be that North Star for you. But then that path to get there, say you want to so see you're trying to go North. Well, here's a North Star and that's what I'm trying to be. But that path may take you, you may have to forge a river. Well, you're going to have to learn kind of some strategies. It may be a creek. It may be a creek, depending on where you live. It may be a river. You might have to reverse over some rocks, some shaky ground. But I want to be the North Star, give you direction, and then you can go out there and at least you know you're going the right way because there's going to be bumps. There's going to be hiccups along the way. I just want you to know that you're going in the right direction. I want to make sure that you are going in the right direction. Hey, the GPS will show you. It'll tell you, hey, here's where you need to get to. Here's where it's at. It'll even give you direction step by step. That doesn't mean you might not get cut off. That doesn't mean you might not hit traffic. It just knows at least eventually you know you're going to get there. So what we don't want to do is get lost. And so what I'm trying to do is help all of you from getting lost as coaches and staying on a successful path. That path might look a little different. It's going to look a little different for all of you. And that's where we're coming from here. 80-20 baseball. So next week, I'm going to break down. I'm going to vet some of those questions from you, the listener, one of you that emailed me a couple weeks back with those. They were really good questions and topics. Also, next week's episode, we will discuss something that must always be done before playing catch. Also, something that is highly recommended to be done after pitching or after a heavy throwing load. So we're going to do two topics, two breakdowns there. We're going to discuss something that should always be done before, when I say playing catch, before your throwing routine, as well as something that is highly recommended to be done after pitching or after a heavy throwing load. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll break down those other topics to keep you all going down that successful path. Don't forget, go right now, 8020baseball.com. Right
right on the homepage, the webinar, sign up for it. Essentially, you just pay and I will send you, you'll get a receipt and then I get the receipt on my end and I will email you the link to the meeting. I'll tell you what, for the $50, you're going to get your $50 worth and then some. I promise you it'll be worth your time. And if you can't make that time, November 18th, if you can't make it, it's 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I tried to put it in there so everybody could attend across the country. Don't worry, you get a recording of it. You're going to get access to the recording of it and you can watch it and you can see the breakdown of these drills, of the ground ball drill, the base running drill, batting practice design, all these things, the throwing routine. You're going to get access to see all that and that's going to be exclusive for you. It's not something I'm going to put out there on YouTube or Vimeo or anything for the public. It'll just be for you coaches that sign up and attend or sign up and you will get that. If you can't attend, you'll get that copy of that for you to keep forever. Also, you will get priority access to me as a resource, somebody you can bounce ideas off of via email and things like that. Always a pleasure being here with you, our weekly get together to become better coaches, better youth baseball coaches, trying to squeeze a lot of information in to a short amount of time to continue growing that paradigm, our operating system as coaches, getting better as efficiently as possible. So we'll see you next week. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves, especially that health. Take care of your health. Whatever you do, take care of your health. You can't be the coach that you want to be if you're not healthy. Take care of your families. Take this information. Go out there. Make your team better. Your players better. Make the baseball community a better place. And until next time, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.